0: You are listening to the Spicy Chai Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Imthiaz. And my mission with this podcast is to bring you the voices of content creators who are just a bit ahead of you. People you can relate to. You can hear about their struggles and wins and learn from their mistakes so you don't have to make the same mistakes. My hope is that this podcast inspires you to start putting your voice out there and creating content consistently so that you can make the impact you want to make with the skills you already have and start creating the life you want to live. So grab your cup of spicy chai and let's get this show started. Hello beautiful, what's up? This is episode 28 of the Spicy Chai Podcast and in this episode I talked to a creator who's lost a hundred pounds, got out of a toxic relationship and then started using the power of content to help others with their fitness journeys. We talk about how to get started with creating content as a fitness influencer, staying authentic with so much noise out there. And what are some things that truly suck about content creation? And if you're listening to this podcast right now and are inspired to start your own podcast, then DM me the word podcast on Instagram at Maruk, M-A-H-R-U-K-H dot M dot Imtiaz, I-M-T-I-A-Z. And I will show you how you can start one today. All right. All right back to the episode. Welcome to the Spicy Chai Podcast. Today's guest is someone who's been overweight, depressed, and anxious for most of their life. And they finally decided that enough is enough. So five years ago, they were 400 pounds in a very toxic relationship. Today, They have lost over 130 pounds. They're with the woman of their dreams. They are a dedicated life coach with over hundreds of paying clients. They have a community of health and fitness coaches. They are a successful speaker. And on top of that, they have 3,000 plus followers on Instagram. Talk about transformation. So excited to have you on today, Craig. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I always start off with asking people like, "What is your story?" And I kind of covered a lot of that. But do you mind going into like, how did you know enough was enough? Like, what got you started and the whole thing?
1: You know, I don't think that there's ever a time where we actually know enough is enough. You know, I, I think that what we see out there in social media and in the world when we see people have that that moment mm-hmm. where they've had enough, I don't think that they actually realize it because I, I personally, I didn't. Uh, Eight years I spent in a relationship that was filled with domestic violence, uh, drug abuse, and alcohol. And, you know, (laughs) I could have left at any moment. And I think that I continued to stay there for reasons why I told myself. One of them was for our children. And Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I had a son that I had full custody of that was in the relationship. She had a daughter, and we had a child together. And you know, I was stepdad for eight years for this little girl. We had a child together who was three at the time. I had my son who was seven at the time. And it's like, I couldn't bring myself to do anything. I just, I accepted it. And it's this realm that I call and I describe to people as the comfortable struggle. Mm. It's almost like you get so comfortable struggling that you don't know what else to do. You don't realize that You could have a different life. You could have a different situation. You deserve happiness. You know, we we almost feel like what we have right there is what we deserve. And that's all we're going to get. And that's not the case. First 2015, you said you mentioned five years ago, I was 400 pounds. I was going through divorce. I was going through criminal cases stemming from domestic violence. And that morning of December 1st, it was about 3, 3 3.30 in the morning. I woke up and I was choking on acid reflux. I literally thought I was going to die. I thought that that was it. And at the time I had severe sleep apnea and I had a CPAP machine. I had a mask on, which you wear to breathe basically in your sleep. It keeps us alive, right? And I made it to the bathroom. I I was on the floor and it was almost like the, the last thing that you have. And I remember praying to God. I literally remember kneeling on the floor and saying things like, God, just let me live. Give me a second chance. And I often think that when you have nothing left, that's when people pray, whether they're religious or not, they, they feel like that's all they've got, right? And I sat on the floor I ended up pulling myself up on the vanity of the sink. I grabbed a full sleeve of antacids. I ate the entire thing, which is crazy to think about. I can't breathe, and now I'm putting things in my mouth. Mm. Um, but I, I had to get the fire from the acid reflux to stop so that I could breathe. And I finally started drinking water from the faucet. I finally took my first breath after the water and the antacid, like the, the breath that I remember where my lungs were filled. And in that moment, I had remembered that I was waiting until January 1st, which I think this is great that you and I get to talk at the beginning of the year. I think that a lot of people, they put this expectation on new years. They put this expectation on a resolution and to change things in their life because they know that they want things to be different. They just Mm -hmm. don't know how. And they assume that the momentum and the excitement of the new year is going to propel them into their new life. Right. And for weeks, I had been telling myself, you know, I'm going to take care of myself. January 1st, I'm going to start. It's going to be my baseline. Right. And December 1st, my life, I felt was almost taken from me. So there wasn't going to be that moment for me to reset. I was going to need to do something then. So that morning, that was when I started uh, doing at home fitness. I, I started with a program. It was a DVD. I threw it in. It was probably the, the hardest 25 minutes of my life. I thought I was going to die for the second time that day. But immediately finishing that 25-minute cardio workout that I did, I thought to myself, you know, yes, that was hard. But my entire life up until that point was hard. And it wasn't even in that moment that I realized that I had had enough. It wasn't until probably three years later through my journey and through reflection and uh, understanding forgiveness and working through my whole thing. Because I mean, weight loss, anybody can lose weight, in my opinion. Anybody can eat healthy. If you're not going to work your heart and your mind at the same time, you're going to be the same miserable, depressed, anxious person you were before, just in a healthier version, right? So I realized for me... It was it was a culmination of things. It was me realizing that I was in control. It was me realizing that everything that had happened to me up to that point in my life was my responsibility and taking ownership of it. The hardest thing I ever did was I took ownership of the fact that the domestic violence that I went through was my fault. Mm-hmm. I taught my ex-wife how to treat me. I taught her what I was willing to accept. I taught her what I was willing to put up with. And some people, they don't fully understand that. I, you know, I've had conversations where people are like, no, it's not your fault, she did it. No, it is It is my fault because I could have left at any time. And I know that everybody's situation is different and people stay scared and in fear and trapped in in, in lifestyles like that. And I want them to know that your life doesn't need to be like that. I think that we get too scared in the details of how we're gonna get out. Right. That we don't actually do it, right? Yeah. We're too, we're too worried about, well, how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that? Forget about how. Just do. It will work itself out. It, it did for me, you right. know? And that was probably the biggest moment that I had. I think that the most successful people in the world have had a, their backs against the wall. They've had people doubt them. I know when I first started being an online consultant, coach and, and entrepreneur in the fitness and health realm, Um, When I first started, I was still a very heavy set man and people laughed at me. People told me that I was too heavy to coach people, that I would never be successful in in that space because of my weight or, or what I was. But what they didn't understand was at the time, I wasn't asking people to give me permission to tell them what to do. I was asking people at the time to come be with me, be accountable and be supported while we do it together.
0: Yeah, Related until I it. Right. Exactly.
1: exactly until yeah. I earned that experience in right. being able to give intentional advice and right. and advice on how to overcome adversity, and that's right. that's really where my baseline is. Is when people ask me, everybody has their, their elevator speech, right? Like, right. what do you do? Um, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I help people overcome adversity by not being a victim of their circumstance and then people are like well wow that like that's profound to say to people and they say well how do you do that that gives me that conversation piece because how do you do that is a very broad
0: it's like you can you can go down that exactly like and there were a couple of things that you said there first like how so many people when they get healthier they're still miserable and that's right on like it's people who lose weight, they go through these transformations. And because they think, oh, once once I have my dream body, or once I have this thing that I really want, that's it. And I do agree that they forget that no, there's this whole mental piece. I heard somewhere, if you're not happy right now with your body, you're not going to be any happier when you're fitter. The happiness has to start right now. You're obviously going to be fitter and that might have other ripple effects, but you're right. Absolutely. The mental game has to start right now. And I really like the second Thing you said is that you took complete ownership, even being in an abusive relationship. And I will acknowledge that we don't hear a lot about men being in domestic abusive relationship. And it's a new concept even for me. And I'll be very honest about that. Thank you for that courage for sharing that and just saying, hey, I took the blame. And for everyone listening, we're not trying to victim blame here, but it's just kind of more so about, hey, if you take ownership over it, And if you take control, then you're able to take the right actions. You know, you take control away from the abuser. And I think that's an important point for people to get. Um, There's another thing that I would like to go through. Like when you went through this whole transformation, how did you know that some of the next steps were trying the online space? Like what was that journey like?
1: So, So for me, when I first started to go through divorce and everything, I had been a single parent at the time for the second time in my life since August. Okay. So August 11th, 2015 was the final domestic. I never did anything with my health all the way until November. So, so in November, in the very beginning of November, what ended up being the catalyst for, you know, just prior to that near, and it literally was a near death experience for me. Um, my stepdaughter of eight years was taken out of our life. She was, uh, removed through a guardianship case. And as a step-parent, I had no rights. Mm. So I was actually removed from the court hearing that day. I was asked to leave. I never even got to hear what was said or or what went on. And a few days later, uh, maybe a week, I got, you know, confirmation in the mail from the court order saying that she was going to live with her maternal grandparents. Um, and that was kind of like, what really started my depression. That was what really got me anxious was I was like, wow, like children can be removed from my life at any moment, you know, and trying to break out of that and to break out of that momentum was difficult. And for me to look back on it, it's been almost heartbreaking to realize, you know, how things can happen and, and that rock bottom moment can transpire basically for you in your life. Um, and I don't want to get too far away from your question. Remind me again.
0: Yeah. no, good. I was just like, what made you want to go online? Like I, uh, you know, it was okay. definitely the pain of like being the, the child being removed. Like what made you be like, all right, Craig, this is now it's time for me to try to do something online. Well,
1: I initially, when I first started, wasn't planning on helping anybody it wasn't even going to be a thing. But going through all that stuff and financially strapping myself in all those court cases and everything that was happening, um, I was unsuccessfully evicted from my apartment every single month from August until then. And I started to take back my life in December of 2015 by January of 2016. And I was sharing my my life basically mm-hmm. on social media and I started to garner a following. And, and by a following, I don't mean anybody. I had about 300 friends on Facebook at the time I had. I had no Instagram at the time. I just had people that would message me. And say, thank you for what you shared. Thank you for what you're talking about. Thank you for bringing light to XYZ. Thank you for being so honest.
0: So were you always a person who was posting on Facebook and then you continued doing that? Or was it like, all right, maybe I need to start posting? What was that moment? Like, where did you start posting even on Facebook or Instagram, even like for, for your own self or for your friends?
1: Um I was always posting before but it was more of like a negative kind of text it was very um it was just stupidity and mindless it it really was and it, you know when I look back at you know your Facebook memories or whatever and I'm like wow like what was I that was even me. <laughs> you know I'm like yeah. wow what was I even talking about you know but at, the more that I posted the more that I shared it was keeping me accountable it was keeping me honest with myself, more so than people watching me. It was me being able to be authentic and say, okay, I did what I set out to do today. Mm. And it started with me just sharing that I was taking back my health. It was basically like uh, my video blog. Like your scrapbook.
0: Yes. For your accountability. Yeah.
1: That was all it basically was. And then I remember, you know, I, I started utilizing programs and supplements from a company that I, that I work with independently right now. And in order for me to afford it, I had to figure out something, right? And that was what kind of brought me into the space of you know coaching people was I had signed up as a distributor, a, a coach through their network,
0: hmm. but
1: I only did that for a discount because I, I would get 25% off at the time. Right, And then what ended up transpiring was January of 2016, the people that watched me the month before, they realized that what I was using, I offered other people and that we could do it together. And then the next thing I know, um, I had about a dozen people working with me right off the bat. I mean... That was in between the messages of people telling me that I was too fat to coach people, people telling me that I would never be successful in an online space, helping people through fitness and health, that right. there were so many things out there that the, the market was saturated. And I was, I'm very fortunate that I was able to tune out that white noise, hmm. that I wasn't doing it for money at the time. I was doing it for myself. And for the discount for me, and I was doing it to show other people what was possible. And I think that that's what made me stand out so much in my network and in my space was, and that's where my my authenticity and my name and my brand came from. And I say that I'm just raw, honest, and unfiltered. And that was when I became that unfiltered person. And I just stopped beating around the bush with people. I stopped dragging people and trying to convince them. And I just started working with people that were ready, people that were at the point where I was. And it made my life so much easier to not try to drag people like the former me who is depressed and anxious and wasn't ready to do things than to drag people that were like at their rock bottom and to really lift them in their life. And that has really become, you know, where I realized, hey, you know, I could make a sustainable living helping people do that. I could literally help people. And yeah. that was that moment.
0: Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about it is that your why was really clear and your why wasn't, I'm going to make money out of this, or I'm going to go viral. It was very much, I'm going to help myself stay accountable. So like, how do you think like for people who are starting off today, how can they get to that level? Because there's so many people starting off today because it's a popular thing to do now, right? Like you want to be an influencer. Uh, you want to be, you want to have thousands of followers. You want to go viral, like, you know, and being authentic in a world like that is is tough now. And that's why people, I guess, appreciate it. Like, how would you say people like that could start and make sure that their why is actually aligned to something a bit more, meaningful than followers and fame?
1: Well, it starts with solving a problem in your life, in my opinion. And it starts with um, having a passion for what you're representing. Because if you have those two things, literally nothing else matters. Because if you're passionate about it and what you're doing solves a problem in your life, you're going to be able to offer that problem-solving tool to someone else. Right. For people that are just starting out, my biggest recommendation is find something that you enjoy and and do it with someone that you would want to have as a coworker, because there are so many people in this space that you can literally just um, connect with anybody and work with anybody. I think that what happens is, is a lot of people end up in the wrong system, I like to call it, they end up aligning with people that don't necessarily align with either their morals or their expectations for where they want to go. Mm. And I f- I feel that that sometimes takes away from the momentum that they could gain in, in this space, because I feel like everybody should be doing something online. I don't I care. Hear. I don't care what your full-time job is, Uh, Multiple streams of income this day and age, especially with the climate of the world and realizing that at any moment your business could be uh, closed or shut down, you need to have something. You need to have some type of backing um, for yourself. And why not back yourself, right? Right. Why not, why not have something that you could fall back on that's yours rather than someone else? But there are so many opportunities out there. I, I see them all the time. And the beauty of what I do, which is, which is absolutely wonderful, is I have a foundation with a company that I used. Right. And what I do is I also work with people in other networks. So what I do is I help them, you know, basically get out of their own head by them realizing how to do it. I don't do anything other than ask the right questions. And, you know, it's stuff that I learned. I have a coach myself. I feel like everybody should be mentored. I feel like everybody should always be learning. I always have this saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. Like you need to be, you need to always be evolving. Right. And You know, as we talked earlier, that's where personal development plays a big role, even not just in uh, weight loss and health, but if you're always making yourself better and people always ask me, they're like, well, you know, as far as what for personal development, and I tell all new entrepreneurs, make sure that you're doing some type of personal development because I don't know what it looks like in your life, but whatever it is in your life that you need to make better, maybe it's parenting. It yeah. could just, it could, could be, be something, it could yeah. be a, some, something as simple as parenting. And I tell my clients that, and, and they're like, well, how is parenting going to help me coach? And I tell them, well, because if you learn how to parent better, your kids are more well behaved, which opens up more space in your life, which makes you abundantly more available across all areas. And they're like, wow, I never really thought about that. And I'm like, well, you know, they, everything works together, right? Everything, everything in your life serves. Mm-hmm. In order to make sure that they all serve a purpose, you need to be always working on them. You you need to always be readily available to adapt because everything can change. You you don't have control of right. outside events, right?
0: And that's true. And like speaking of like trying to be online nowadays, I noticed that you are very active on Facebook. You're very active on Instagram. And so those are the two that I kind of want to dig into a bit. Like why did you decide to stick to those two aside from like just starting there with a personal, was there a reason that you stuck to those two? Um, So I turn 40 next month and I like Let's to see. think that
1: it, I think I like to think that Instagram is for the younger crowd. Uh, that's something that I've been trying to flip and, and change. But Facebook has really always been my more authentic jam because When I started doing this five years ago, that's when Facebook live came out. That's when, you know, video content became more relatable or more relative in our space Hmm. than say a a written blog. I use Facebook a lot because a lot of people find it easier to just navigate. I have groups on Facebook. Everything that I have is basically there. Your
0: audience is pretty much on Facebook. Yes, Facebook
1: and and Instagram. So the last two years, um, I've really upped my game on Instagram. I've really tried to, honestly, it's the same content Right, on both platforms. I right. literally am. A lot of times, it's a copy and paste for me. Right. I need. I need to save time. I need to save energy and space. Right. But it's a different audience, so it's not the same people viewing the same content. Correct. So what's great about it is I may go live, say on Facebook, um, and if I feel like. I just judge by how it makes me feel. If it, if I get off of a live and I feel fulfilled and I feel like it helped people and and you can tell, you can tell by what people are writing mm-hmm. as you're live. I do a really good job of not reading all of those. And <laughs> I just don't, I don't respond to them right. in the moment because I like to get out the content that I'm getting out and then that's it. But I still see them. I hear, you know, the inflection in the text of how it's making people feel. What I'll do is after that Facebook Live ends, I save it and then it's an IGTV. Um, and I will just it. share it, cross share it. But Like I said earlier, when I started with Facebook, I only had a few hundred people on there. Um, I always stay maxed out at about 5,000 people on Facebook. I am constantly dumping people and adding new people. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I always need to be recycling my audience and and having people to come in to work with. Um, I have a business page on Facebook that has, you know, 2000 followers. And then like you said, my Instagram, I have, I think almost 4,000 followers on Instagram. So across all networks, I mean, I probably have 10,000 followers. Maybe some, some of them are the same.
0: Would you say you prepare a lot for those (laughs) Facebook lives? Is that something you prepare for or do you just, okay. And you know, you said like there are times when you don't read the comments and you're just kind of, you know, that it has made an impact. What happens when you do go live and nobody views it and nobody comments? How did you see, deal with for, that? See, for
1: me, it's, it's, never, it's never mattered. And I know that it matters for some people. So right. my biggest piece of advice is this. You show up, whether there's one person or there's 100,000 people. Um, if you're going on to share something that's important to you, it doesn't matter because the people that you end up working with are not the people that like comment or say anything on your posts. The Very people true. that you help the most are silent. Yeah. The pe- the people the ones who's just l- like
0: lurking around.
1: Yeah. yeah. The people whose lives that I've had the biggest impact on who I work with now, they never commented or messaged me or said anything on any of my lives. Um, what would end up happening is, I mean, some of them, they're different. Timeframes, but say they followed me for a year, and they always wanted to change their life because I gave them hope. But they right. never told—they never told me they're—they're they're embarrassed, they're—they're they're scared, they're depressed, they're anxious. Me as an entrepreneur, I know that I need to constantly be reaching out to people. Um, I know that network marketers and multi-level marketers usually give the industry a bad name because. I get them all the time and I know it annoys me. I get the, Hey girl message the Hey, come join my group. We have a thousand dollar raffle. Oh like, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm looking for testers. My team and I, we don't do that. When you're people focused, the business and the, the income comes when you focus on people. So typically when we're reaching out to people and that's why I've been so successful with help, helping people is I literally leave it in their court. I ask them, Hey, I don't know if You've noticed what I've been doing. I help people online with health and fitness. If you're willing to check out this opportunity, I'd love to talk to you. I wouldn't know unless I asked you. And if I don't ask you, somebody else is going to anyways. Right. But if, but if you are willing, let me know and I'd love to chat. Right. And that Fair authentic yet. message um, really opens up the door for me to talk to people and, and to get to know people because that's where I strive. Like I, I'm a people person.
0: I you agree. Know? I agree, and I, I liked how you said, like, there are there are people who are always lurking around, and it's an important message because you might be thinking that there's no one looking, there's no one commenting, this but there are always people that are listening, and so like, and it, there's something else that you said, that made, which made me think, like, when you started off, you obviously had didn't have skills that you have now because you're consistently posting on Facebook. What would you say, like, aside from even like, let's say, Craig didn't even build this online business, let's say nothing worked, what were some of the skills that you learned just by posting consistently for the past few years? What are some of those?
1: Oh man, that's such a broad, great yeah. question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um that allow you to be a better content creator today. Cause I bet you didn't, I, I've, I've read some of your I, posts. They're so great. Like they're so articulate. They're so engaging. And I really, I do feel the authenticity. I'm like, okay, this guy really knows what he's talking about, but I doubt yeah. when I, if I go scroll down to three years ago, that's how you probably, I don't know if you, that's how you no. started.
1: You know? <clears throat> no, I, I didn't. So for, for me in the beginning, um, I did what all other entrepreneurs online are doing. I just I basically followed the mold. I followed the the I was a cookie cutter at the beginning. It wasn't until like a year of doing it that I flipped the script for myself and I realized that I was doing not only my audience an injustice, but myself an injustice because it was almost like I was chained down to a perception or a persona that wasn't me. I learned, and, and you know, it all ties back to personal development. It all ties back to reading and and growing as an entrepreneur. There are many books that I've read. People always ask me, "What are you reading?" "What are you reading?" There was one one author and an individual author that that really met me where I needed to be. Uh, back in 2017, I read one of his first books. It was called Unresolution. And the author's name is Tommy Baker, which I also work with him. He is my mentor. He's my my paid coach that I work with. But I've I've been working with him for just over a year personally now on a one-on-one space. Um, but in two, 2017, I read his book. Didn't know him. Wasn't connected to him. Didn't have anything to do with him but unresolution, the idea, the title, it, it grabbed me and, and the book itself grabbed me because that was basically what I did. And the premise is um, that you don't make a resolution because let's be honest, a resolution is a promise to ourselves that we intend to break uh, two yeah. weeks after the year starts, right? Um, yeah, just so, about this time. Yeah. you know, And it's 80% of Americans stop right now. And it really grabbed me because it helped me understand what happened to me in 2015 because I was making a new year's resolution, but I didn't start on January 1st. I just started on December 1st and my resolution was out the window. I didn't, that was the first time in eight years that I didn't make a resolution and it's, and it's stuck, but reading books and, you know, over time, Um, he had another book, the 1% rule. And then I, you know, I've read all the entrepreneur books. Uh, you know, I love Brendan Burchard. I love, uh, high performance habits. I love, Mm -hmm. I love, you know, Tony Robbins stuff. I love the John C Maxwell team. I mean, all the leadership things that you hear from everybody. And I always tell people like, Personal development's personal, right? Right. And people are like, well, what should I read? And I'm like, well, you could borrow my underwear and it might be comfortable, but it's my underwear. It's personal, right? Mm -hmm. So like the same thing goes with books. Like, what do you want to change in your life? What do you want to grow? What do you want to learn? That's what you read. So, it needs to speak to you. It's personal to you. And, you know, being in this space, I've realized that there are a lot of great books out there. Some of them just reverberate the same things that we hear. But maybe a certain author will say it a way that you need to hear it, right? Correct. M- yeah. M-
0: maybe, maybe. And that's, that's why it's important to have your own voice out there, too, because. People might have said the same thing again and again, but someone might need to just hear it the way you say it. Like, you know, so I I completely, completely agree with that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: just learning all of that stuff and learning that you could do that, that's really what's helped me develop myself. Because, like you said, if you scrolled my Instagram or my Facebook back three years ago, you're just, you're going to see cookie cutter stuff. You're going to see me. Um, you know, sharing a supplement online that I've been using that's helping me, but I don't do that anymore. I don't share my programs and my products like that. Yes, they helped me save my life and change my life, but I don't represent that. When people sign up to work with me or register to be on my team, they do so to work with me because I help them have that hope or to believe in themselves it's it has zero to do with the company that i'm with because the company that i'm with you know has already established themselves it's me that's establishing me at this point as a an independent person who works for them and it took me a couple of years to learn that it took me a couple of years to really find my voice and it's funny because when I started out, I was just this single dad who was this potty mouth guy who was just out there on Facebook, just sharing his wild, crazy life. And my following has changed over the years. Um, my lifestyle has changed over the years and everything's changing. And remember I said in the beginning, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So for me, right. I'm, always, I'm always adapting and I've, I've changed over the years. I've, I've dropped the cuss words. I'm more shareable. <laughs> Right on on social sure. media because the, the the language isn't there. Um, people are more likely to share a message without ten f bombs in it. Right. I also learned that people relate to your authentic story. People relate to, and, and like I said before, like solving a problem. Everybody has problems in their life. And when I share about problems that I solve, like when I make a post about severe obesity or not being able to tie my own shoes on my feet, like that's an authentic story from me that hundreds of thousands of people relate to. There are people that cannot reach their feet you know? And when people read that, they don't comment or message because they're embarrassed that that's where they are. But it opens up that, that possibility and that door for me to reach out to them. And typically that's when the connection happens. It's, it's never, you never know who's watching you. You literally don't. You just never know. But yeah, like you said, like three years ago, my social media, my life does not look like it looks now it has changed. And, and like you said, in the beginning, when you introduced me, uh, my wife and I, we met through our space, through our network. And I literally moved halfway across the country. I'm from New England. Originally, I grew up in New Hampshire. I was born in Massachusetts. And I, I live in Oklahoma now.
0: <laughs> right. so it's it, been everywhere. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Been,
1: it's been a crazy ride. It's right. been an absolutely crazy ride. And,
0: and throughout those like three years where you've Learned a few things, like you know, making it a bit more shareable or being more authentic when you're telling your stories. At this current moment, what would you say are some of the metrics you use to know? Okay, you know what, Craig, I think I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I think I'm do I'm sending the right message. Like, what are some of your own metrics on Facebook that you use? So, I'm I now am very intentional with my business. I do
1: a lot. I do a lot of tracking. I track my right. business. I I track people coming in. I track. I pack everything. For me, I know that success is measured differently for everybody. So I've honestly not changed this perception of success for five years. If I help one person, I'm successful. If I can get one person out of domestic violence, I'm successful. If I can get one person feeling healthy and confident about themselves, I'm successful. If I can get one person able to physically do things that they've never been able to physically do in a long time or ever... I'm successful for me. My success has never been measured by the amount of people I work with or the amount of money financially that I make, residual or not, or commissions. Um, it's more how am I successful in my life? And I often tell people that I strive to be the coach that I would follow, and I think that that really helps keep me humbled and grounded because it keeps me relatable. I, I ask myself, you know, before I post something online. Um, and especially nowadays, and, and I wish more people would do this. I truly wish more people would do this. I, th- I think to myself, is this positive? Is this going to help anybody? Is it kind? Does it bring value? Um, these are questions that I ask myself before I post. And you know, you had mentioned before that when you read my post, you can see that I articulate my words and that um, I share intentional. When I, when I share something, it's very intentional. And the reason being is because... I've learned that that's where people get get moved. When somebody reads something and it hits them in their home, in their heart, in their, in their mind, that's when more likely they're going to open up to you. Um, one of the books that truly helped me was the Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. And mm. if you've not read that book, if you're an entrepreneur and you have any type of System where you share yourself authentically or you want to be sharing yourself authentically, that book needs to be read. You need to read stories that stick because the way that Kendra Hall describes, you know, just human beings in general and how when we read something and how it evokes emotion in you, she really lays down the groundwork for you to express yourself better. And, you know, doing this for five years, I still know that I can work harder on on myself. I know that I can work and be better. And one of the things that I think that has really helped me across all areas, even back to talking about how it helped me gain confidence, how it helped me emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and, and everything was just having having these, these ideas that my words are powerful, okay? And yeah. I think that a lot of people don't understand this, but the most powerful words are the ones that you speak to yourself. Power of language. Yep. And and a lot of times, and my mentor, he, I hate getting called out just as much as other people do. And he, a couple of years ago when I started working with him, he's like, man, we, we got to change that weak language that you surround your life with. And it was things like, you know, I'll, I'll try and see if I can do that tomorrow or I hope I can. And When you use words like try and hope and maybe, and you give yourself an out. But more importantly, people aren't even using those words. They're using even more negative words for themselves. They're calling themselves ugly. They're calling themselves um, uh, fat, which I... Despise that word, like yeah, or a
0: loser or yeah. lazy, like you know, yeah, yeah. Those exactly. are words that are being used. Yes, one hundred percent. And I even
1: have clients now that are on my team that that are coaches and entrepreneurs. And as I navigate them through their business, they tell me, "Oh, well, I I would have got that that done, but I'm a procrastinator." And I'm like, "No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're no longer that label that was put on you in high school by your." physics teacher you're not that person you used to be a procrastinator but we are changing it say that instead because you're not a procrastinator you you literally just chose not to do it you chose what you wanted to choose and when I learned about changing my language and I learned and you can read it in my post I really try to be intentional with it because it it holds so much power agreed our words hold so much power. So, and
0: it's and the other end as well. It's like when people say, "I can't do this because I don't have video editing skills." Well, I always say, "Add the word yet. You don't have them right. yet. Right. You will eventually develop them." So it's the same thing about the way we talk. I can't do this because, I mean, I won't be able to write like Craig, you know, or I haven't lost 130 pounds like Craig. Well don't tell yourself these bullshit stories like you know not what it is it's about getting yourself started and everyone you mentioned earlier like there's this problem that people want to solve and there has to be passion around it and i truly believe that most people have solved some problems in their life that other people would gain a lot of value from knowing how they solved that problem and we just don't know it we just don't know how we what that problem was of what we solved and i think that that's very powerful you're absolutely right like it's about telling yourself the right things. And that's one thing I really like about social media. Like I'm pretty sure you just mentioned it too. Having an impact on one person, having an impact, uh, that's honestly feels really great when that one person messages you saying they love you or they love that you post and uh, or they love that the one thing you said that made a huge difference in their day. So I'm curious to hear, what are some things that you don't like about content creation? What are some things that you don't like about putting yourself out there? Because there must be some things that you're like, oh, I hate this part about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in in the beginning for me, it was very hard for me to talk about domestic violence. It was hard for me Mm -hmm. to talk about some of the things that I went through. I've been in that realm where, I mean, some of it's embarrassing, right? But what I learned was that you don't have to share everything to be authentic, number one. I love that. You need to continue to Post who you're supposed to be and not who you post to be. Like, I, that's what I call it, who you post to be. Like, um, don't just show the highlight reel, but you don't always have to show all of the downfalls and the negative things that go on in your life. But at the end of the day, for me, it was I had a hard time overcoming things. And in the beginning of my journey, there was a lot of things that I couldn't share online because of court cases and the way that things were going. So, it's funny because I always have, you know, people that come onto my team and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about this. I'm not ready to talk about this." And I'm like, "Well, don't. You don't you don't have to share everything to be authentic, but you can share enough to be relatable if that makes sense, right?" It does. Yeah. Um and, you know, <laughs> I always tell people that I am the most public private person that you've ever met, okay? Back when I had met my wife, you know, everybody on my social media knew me as the single dad. Um, people knew that I was talking to a woman. They knew that I was talking to someone, but they didn't know. They didn't know the story. They didn't. People wanted to know the story, but I. That was, that was personal. That was for me, right? We literally got engaged and got married. I didn't share any of that on social media. Nothing got shared real time for me. And I think that this is really important for entrepreneurs to understand. You can share things real time, which is fine. Some people do. Many people do. I don't. If I'm out to, to dinner or in a moment with my family, I'm not automatically uploading photos of the aquarium trip uh, on my Instagram or on my Facebook or whatnot. Maybe in a story or something as I'm doing it because it's mm-hmm. a real quick thing. Right. I don't, I don't detract my life from my family. I don't take away from my content creation. I don't, I don't take away from my family to make content. What I try to do is live in the moment, enjoy that moment, and share it later. So my wife and I, we had a baby. We did not share pictures of the baby or anything. We didn't share, uh, we did a gender reveal with our family, which we shared like four months after we had done it. You know, it's it's stuff like that, that people, and what's great about it is if you are an entrepreneur and you are an influencer online, if you do have an actual following, this, this is how you figure out if you do you share a little bit, and you see if people stick around to find out. You, you, you share a small piece, and you don't give everybody everything. I, I don't because, like I said, I'm the most it's private that, public it's not, person. It's
0: not that important either. Like I don't know if you've heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he, that's, I mean, he puts everything out there, but I don't think anyone knows anything about his family. I yeah. don't think I've ever seen his wife or his kids. So That's exactly the same thing where you share what you're comfortable with sharing. And I agree. That is one of the downsides of content creation. Sometimes you're like, well, I don't want to share that. Cool. Don't share it. Just share what I'm comfortable with. No, I really, really like that. And what I also really liked about your journey is you started when you didn't have all the results, you know, you kind of really just started saying, okay, you know what? I don't have all the results. I'm not the fittest yet, but- You know, I want to start and I want to get people around me to do this with me. And that's what Mm. people forget, too. You don't you don't even have to be the person who's gotten the result. You can be somewhere in the middle person who's still achieving the result. And people will follow your journey because they want to see what you're doing, how you're learning, what mistakes you're making. Uh, And I think that is what makes you you. And that's what makes people follow you because people just want to see, okay, what's Craig up to now? What is he doing? How is this going? To um, so think all of that is extremely powerful. And just to kind of wrap all of that up, Craig, what would you say you would want written on a billboard as one of your final questions?
1: Mm, that's a good one you threw at me right there.
0: <laughs> um, I think that
1: I would want put on a billboard just sim- simply impact people's lives in a positive manner by any means necessary. And not so much from an aspect of what I do for people, but to remind other people to just do that. Just impact each other positively because people need that. People need that impact in their life because not everybody is ready for change. Not everybody is determined like some of us are. Not everybody is ready to dive in to doing something to better their life. But just know that if you impact somebody's life positively, that might just be enough. That might be enough for them to find that and to to get that push and to, to go for it, you know? I always tell people that people's opinions of them are not facts. And I think that that fear of what other people think keeps people stuck, right? So underneath impact people's lives, in a positive manner, no matter what, <laughs> s- subtitle would be. In, 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 small, in small things is, is people's opinions and not, not facts. You will be judged for the rest of your life anyways. Be judged on what makes you happy, right? Be judged okay. on what makes you happy.
0: I love that. I love that. And Craig, what, where
1: can people find you? I am on just about every social media platform that they have. I know new ones keep popping up everywhere (laughs) and I'm, I'm trying to be everywhere that I can because you never know where we're going to be, but unfiltered life coach on Instagram, unfiltered life coach also on Facebook. That's my business page. I also have a personal page. People are welcome to follow that page as well. Um, It's just Craig Daigle. Um, If you, if you search Craig Daigle, it usually pops up unfilteredlifecoach.com is my website and on my Instagram, there is a link tree. You can literally fill out a free evaluation to see if we would work good together. And I'm not for everybody. I'm for people that are ready. And and that's how we figure out if we would be a good fit.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Craig. Um, I loved this conversation and I'm sure many of you that are listening, if there's anything that I have said, or Craig has said that has inspired you, Please feel free to share and feel free to leave a comment below. Thank you again and we will see you next week. You got this beautiful. If you are listening to this episode and are inspired to create your own podcast, then DM me the word podcast on Instagram at maruk.m.imtiyaz. You will see it in the show notes as well. And I'll be happy to point you to some resources. Well, until next time, lots of love from your favorite. You got this beautiful.